0: I we'll invite you um, to join me in the scripture reading this morning. Our scripture comes from the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Let's read God's good word together. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Have a decent Christmas, everyone. I'm Pastor Brandon I'm the executive pastor here, and it's really good to be with you. Pastor Mark is in uh, Guatemala this week. They're putting in our 30th water well. We'll have an update from him later in the service, but they're doing well heading to um, the village that they'll be working in and where they'll be staying. So uh, continue to hold that team in prayer. And uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, and um, to everyone online, we're so glad that you're worshiping with us today and um and, we're just really excited to be here. One thing I forgot to mention earlier, if you have kiddos in your online or if you're in person later on in the day, if you go to acts2.info, that'll take you to the announcements page on our website. We've got children's content that you can access every time. Um, the same lessons that Miss Megan will be doing next door. And so that's available to you as well. But, uh, but we're excited to be here. We're excited for this new sermon series and uh, to invite everyone to have a decent Christmas. Is there anyone here who, like, you hear that and it's like, well, that, that is not good enough? Like, my celebrations are way better than decent. My meals are way better than that. We don't like to aim for decent, right? But sometimes, sometimes perfection is just a little bit out of reach. Arthur Brooks tells the story, whenever his kids were young, they were at home, and, uh, and his wife had to go to Spain, that's where her family was from, over Thanksgiving, and he did not know how to cook. And he was not going to try to learn how to cook a turkey for the first time whenever everything was riding on him. So what did they do? They looked for in his words, the diviest restaurant they could find that served turkey, and that's where they went. And afterward, they went and had a movie, they watched a movie together. Now, not exactly the perfect Thanksgiving, is it? And uh, maybe you've had a Thanksgiving like that, but he said the entire time, whenever we walked into the restaurant, he felt like he was holding a sign that said, dad who can't cook. (laughs) Has anyone felt like that? No, we like to aim higher. We like to aim for perfection. And, and I don't know about you, but these uh, here's some photos of what I think maybe you're aiming at. So, you, know, you, you want your house to look like this, and everything is perfect. And somehow you got, uh, you got the nice uh, tinsel branch up there, and, and you even have like, the, the nice loft view. That may not have been taken in Edmond, Oklahoma. I don't know. But you know, the, the walls are perfectly white and you've got the sectional and everything. And, and whenever the new year rolls around, they probably change out the furniture with the decorations. And, and it just looks awesome. My house looks like that in, in some ways, in that there's a Christmas tree in my house and in that picture. But you also have you know family dinners. And we have grand, grand visions of what that could look like. You know, does your Christmas dinner look anything like that? Wow. Like, turkey is done on time. And it is not raw on the inside, but it's got just the perfect amount, the golden browning on the outside, and, and daughters are happy, and everyone's smiling, and grandma's there, and and the toddler doesn't have food on her face. And so, I mean, that's sign number one that this is a stock photo, right? <laughs> Does anyone's dinners look like that? No one's mad. No one's yelling at each other. No one's in the other room pouting because someone said something, and now they're not going to come to dinner the entire night. I mean, I'm sure none of you have ever experienced that. Or, you know, how's decorating going? You know, you get the family together, and we're all going to decorate the tree, and everyone's happy, and and you just put your kid on on your shoulders, and and somehow he doesn't pull down the entire tree, and, and he's excited. He's not crying because the train ornament was supposed to be front and center, and you said no. I mean, that's how everyone's Christmas looks, Right. And especially, you know, those heartfelt moments that we have whenever we see our loved ones and we can just have those deep and meaningful conversations and, and you just look at each other like that. I mean, mothers and daughters, you just have those moments at Christmas, you know, you're just both smiling and, and everyone just feels completely understood. Has anyone's Christmas been like that? I'm still waiting. My kids are youngish. I mean, I've got a six-year-old. We haven't gotten there yet, but but this year is going to be different, right? This year, everything is going to be perfect. Well, we we know how absurd that sounds, but does anyone, like, go into Christmas thinking, well, you know, we'll just settle for whatever it is. It'll just be decent this year. No, we, we want it to be perfect, and yet we miss out on so much whenever we do that. And one of the things that we find is, first, you know, everything doesn't turn out perfectly. I mean, I don't know of anyone who's ever experienced that. We also know that Christmas can be really hard. And so what if this year, instead of seeking perfection, we sought peace? That's that's what we're talking about today. We're in the midst of this sermon series. Last week, we talked about putting hope over hate, choosing hope instead of hate, and, and looking at the very real hate that exists in our world. But what Pastor Mark shared with us last week is that hate hurts not just the people who receive it, but the people who carry it as well. I mean, it's something that hurts everyone who's involved. And yet, whenever we choose hope, it's powerful, and it can change us, both in this life and in the life to come. And so this is what he shared with us from First Thessalonians chapter 4. He said, But we do not, Paul wrote this, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died." And that's the hope that we have, the hope that, that supersedes everything else, that even whenever we're facing death, we can have hope in Christ, that he is our hope. And, and so our action step last week was, as we were letting go of hate, was to disconnect more from, uh, from unproductive and meaningless debates. How did everyone do on that this week? Was that like, were you able to just say like, like ignorant Facebook comment, I'm, I'm going to let that one go? Did that go well? I hope it did. As Pastor Mark shared with us, you do not have to attend every argument that you're invited to. And so as your families are getting together, just remember that. You, you do not have to attend. No matter how compelling the invitation is, no matter how strong the urge to, to set them straight, because can you believe what they just, you can just let it go. It's, it's possible. And, and so that's what we talked about last week. This week we're talking about what does it mean to to seek after the perfect Christmas. Because there's this great temptation that we feel to try to make Christmas perfect for our families, to try to have, you know, all, just the perfect gift that's going to make everyone happy and it's probably going to make them love us even more than they already do, which is a lot because we're so amazing. And, and you know, no expense is too great. And we're going to have everyone together and everyone's going to, you know, and, and it's all going to be amazing. And yet, does anyone's Christmas live up to those expectations? Of course not. I, you know, in the really good, good years, you know, there's going to be a fight or two. Someone's going to get upset. Somebody's toy is going to get broken. And then there are the really hard years, too. I mean, there are the years that people can't be with us, and and that's really difficult. And there are years that people, that we've lost someone, and then the holidays come, and and that can be so difficult, especially whenever that grief is fresh, but it continues on as well. I know every Christmas, I, I still wish that my dad was there. I miss him every year, and that continues. We know that the holidays are wonderful whenever they go well, but they can be some of the hardest times of the year as well. And then whenever our celebrations don't meet our expectations, we find ourselves broke because we tried to, to spend our way into love. And, and uh, you know, if we couldn't find the perfect gift, at least we could get the most expensive one. We find ourselves exhausted because we had to go to every single thing because you can't miss out and you can't say no because this is something that my brother's uncle, somebody he works with. And if I say no, then, then that'll hurt his business for the rest of the year. We have to go to that Christmas party. And you're disappointed because you thought, somehow, if I can just make Christmas magical, everyone will be happy, everyone will, will love each other more, will the, the things that are broken in our relationships will be healed, and, and it'll be great. And when that doesn't come to pass, it's, it's hard. And so, you know, one of the things that we see whenever we look at the holidays, they can be a time of difficult emotions. Uh, one study found that um, during the holidays, 61% of people felt stressed. Does anyone feel stressed during the holidays? I mean, if not, then you're not the one who does the Christmas shopping, probably. But um, does anyone, I mean, we also find that 36% of people feel sad. That's one in three. That's a significant proportion. And 26% feel lonely. And so we know that that there are a lot of reasons that that happens. And uh, there are a lot of reasons that the holidays can be difficult. Um, And we talked about some of them. Another one of them that we've not mentioned is is comparison. We, We compare ourselves to others. We lose our joy when we compare our Christmas to others. And to those of the past. You know, we, we see um, the things that people post, and oh my gosh, they're celebrating Christmas in Colorado, and everyone is there, and they all got great presents. And, and I'm stuck here in Oklahoma, and one third of my family is here, and I could not find the toy that I was looking for, and ours is just a disaster. We compare it, and, and we lose all of the joy, or we think, you know, if only it could be like it was whenever I was a kid. Uh, it, it would be so amazing if we could just recreate, or whenever our kids were little, or whatever that means for you. It's, we compare it. And and it steals our joy, and and we struggle. I, re- I remember whenever I was growing up, uh, whenever we would open our presents on Christmas morning, the first thing that I would do after I finish is I-, I would call one of my best friend. And uh, you know, our family was we were doing pretty well. We had a cordless phone, and so uh, I would call my family phone to his family phone, and uh, and would just, what would I ask? What did you get for Christmas? And it seemed like every year the stuff that he got was better than the stuff that I got. And so instead of being excited that I had all of this stuff, which I mean was was more than I needed and probably more than I deserved, instead of being excited and grateful for that, I, I was ungrateful because I knew somebody who had more stuff. We compare ourselves to others and we lose our joy. There's a, there's a good quote from Casey Watson, this is Pastor Mark's niece, he shared this with me, she said, don't miss out on your life because you're too busy scrolling through somebody else's. And that's easy to do, right? I mean, particularly at Christmas, like, oh my gosh, do you see their house? Oh my gosh, do you see their family photo? Like, nobody's crying. How did they do that? I, I don't know the trick to that, but uh, I, I assume it has something to do with Photoshop. But, but we compare ourselves to others, and then we lose the joy, we lose our peace. And often, one of the problems that we run into is that our desire to create the perfect Christmas is rooted in perfectionism, in trying to get every detail right, of trying to control everything so that we can have everything just the way that we want it. And... Perfectionism actually turns out to be a really destructive force in our lives tied to to really shame and guilt avoidance. This is what Brene Brown talks about in her research on shame. What she's found is that perfectionism is a self-destructive and addictive belief system that fuels this primary thought. If I look perfect, live perfect, work perfect, and do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the painful feelings of shame, judgment, and blame. If, if I do everything perfectly, then I can pretend like I have everything together. And, and that way, make people think that, that I'm worth thinking well of, that I'm worth loving, that I'm worthy of, of their esteem. Ultimately, what it's really about, what perfectionism is really about, it's about controlling others' perceptions of us and trying to avoid those difficult negative emotions. Whenever we fall into that, we're in this endless, unwinnable game of just trying to get everything right. And does that ever happen? No, we never get there. And so we're disappointed. And so if we want peace, we have to let go of the idol of perfection. We have to let go of it. Because ultimately, that's really what it is. Like this idol that we create of if we could just have everything perfect, if I can just control everything, then I can make everything the way I want it to be. And everything will be better. Everything will be happier. I'll I'll feel better about myself. Other people will think better of me. That's an idol. And we have to let go of it. It'll never make us happy. And so we're going to get help. We're going to look at the scriptures. And we have an unexpected guide today. And uh, this is probably not the person you think of when you think of Christmas cheer um, not someone you would probably invite to your holiday party. Like, you know that one person who, like, did not get the memo on the dress? This dude wore camel hair, and uh, that that's weird. Insulating, probably. I mean, maybe it's not bad for the holidays. And, and his diet was non traditional. I mean, you know, you've got to, you know, accommodate different people. You've got to have gluten-free and dairy-free dishes and vegetarian and all of the different dishes. I mean, this guy only ate wild honey and locusts. And uh, I mean, who wants to find that? I don't know. I'm, he's on a Whole Foods diet, maybe. But uh, but so John the Baptist, he came, he's Jesus' cousin, and came to prepare the way for him. He came to prepare the way. And um, and he's not exactly the guy you think of when you think of Christmas, right? Does anyone have like a, a nice John the Baptist uh, decoration that you put up in your house? Oh, okay, I, I, that would be so awesome. I, Hang on. I'm getting ahead of myself. This is what Luke says. He says, During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Has anyone put that on your Christmas card? Repent. Like no, I'm, I've seen some of your Christmas cards. We've made our own. You know, you go to Minted, and, and you get the beautiful ones that say, Joy to the World, and you have the carefully selected family photo that, that looks wonderful. This is not John the Baptist's message. His his was one of warning and of repentance. Not, uh, yeah, I mean, not really. This John the Baptist did not know what Christmas in Edmond looks like. Christmas really anywhere in the United States that I've been. And, and so, he had a difficult message to share to people of, of warning them, inviting them to prepare, telling them there are things they needed to repent of. And um, so you know how this works, right? If you lead people, you know, whenever you have a difficult message to share, like you, you want to, you do, you have strategies for that, right? Like you do the compliment sandwich. And so, you know, hey... That's a nice coat. You you need to repent. Also, can I say again what a nice coat that is? Right? I mean, that's how you. I mean, of course, you do it better than that. That's that was off the top of my head. Okay, but this is what John the Baptist said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him: "You brood of vipers!" Now, if that's the good part, I mean. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And if you want a John the Baptist Christmas card, they actually exist. I mean, just think about it for next year. Your family, you don't have to worry about a photo if you choose this one. I mean, (laughs) it's oddly compelling, right? I mean, for the entrepreneurially minded of us, I think there is just all kinds of market possibilities that you could come up with. I mean, start your own Etsy shop, I'll buy stuff. Um, no royalties necessary, but he comes. I mean, why do we laugh? Because then is now. Messages of judgment were not welcomed. It's like no thank you. I, I don't need you to tell me that I don't have everything together. I I if as you can tell by my Instagram feed, like I have everything together except for like the that small allowable amount of mess, you know, the, the Instagram appropriate amount of mess, so you know that I'm normal like you. I mean except for like ninety percent of everything, right? I mean no one wants to hear, like like you've got stuff wrong with you. No one likes to sit by that family member at Christmas dinner. And yet that's the message that John the Baptist brings to us, and actually it's one that we need to hear. So this is how he continues. What he tells them to do, he says, "...bear fruits worthy of repentance." Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. And so basically he's talking to people. At that time, his audience, he's going around the area of the Jordan, um, outside of Jerusalem in the first century. And so he's talking to people who are Jews and basically saying, look, you can say, look, I'm a good Jewish person. I'm descended from Abraham. Like, I'm I'm a person who's part of the covenant. I I don't need this. What he says is, like, you can't rely on that. And for those of us who, you know, seem to have it at least mostly together within like the socially acceptable margins, I so say, you know, I don't, I don't need to repent of anything. I mean, sure, I'm imperfect, but, but there are things that, I, you know, I'm, I've pretty much got it together. And what he's saying is like, that doesn't work. And what we actually have to do if we want peace is we have to accept the truth of our situation, that we're imperfect people, both saint and sinner, That's why we start our worship services the way that we do every week. Good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. For that is what we are, created in the image of God and still very much in need of God's grace. Because until we accept that, we're going to continue chasing the idol of perfection of trying to put forth um, uh, an impression of of having everything together for other people. And, And yet, we know that's not the truth. We know that other people know that that's not the truth. And yet, that's difficult to accept. And what we find, though, is whenever we actually do accept that, whenever we accept our imperfection, it's liberating. It sets us free. Because we realize we don't have to try to, to keep, keep everything together publicly. We don't have to try to, to make everyone think that, that we do. We don't have to try to earn our way to acceptance. We don't have to try to accomplish our way to being worthy of love. We can accept where we are and realize I do not have everything together, and that's okay. And these people that I'm looking at, they don't have everything together. This is what I'm telling myself, so I'm not nervous. They don't have everything together either, and that's okay. And we can actually live there. We can actually begin to enjoy life. And we can actually begin to live the life that God gives to us in tra- instead of trying to make it look like it's better than it actually is. And so what do we do? John the Baptist says we repent. And what that means is turning our lives away from things that harm toward the things of God it means that we get rid of things like hate it means that we get rid of things like like trying to 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 create happiness by accumulating wealth it means we let go of greed it means we let go of putting down others trying to to build up ourselves at the expense of someone else we let go of those things and we turn away from those things The the word repent literally means to turn around and so we turn our backs on those things and toward the things of God and toward love and joy and peace and hope we let go of all the rest and whenever he talks about bearing fruits worthy of repentance what that what that means is that the way that we live our actions demonstrate our alignment with god's heart that we don't just say the right things oh i repent i I let it all go will you forgive me we actually change we actually turn around so that people can see it not for the purpose of being seen but but to give evidence of what is happening within us Of being in alignment with god's heart because what whenever we talk about judgment the message that john gives whenever we talk about judgment we're not talking about just like you're bad and you need to know how wretched you are what it actually is is a gift and it's a refining fire because it lets us know what the things are that we need to let go of and how we can instead step into the things of god the things that really bring life the life that is really life and, and frequently we talk, when we encounter judgment in the scriptures, we talk about it as a fire. And and that's not a, a, an altogether pleasant image, is it? Like, no thank you, that sounds like it would burn. But what we see in, in the book of Malachi is described as a refining fire, as one that, that burns out impurities. This is what uh, we read about just a few verses after it talks about John the Baptist. It um, says, God will sit as a Jesus will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness and so what that's talking about is of course you know metallurgy is a very industrial process now but but in the days that this was written whenever you were working with gold or silver like if you're getting a a gold ring for Christmas like do you want one that's it's like there that is at least half gold and we don't really know what the rest is but it's round and it'll fit on your finger like that's not a very good gift if that's what you're thinking I'll give you some gift advice that that's not the way to go no you want something that's pure gold right and so to do that you had to heat it up uh, so that it would be molten and, and then that way the impurities can be burned off or can be separated from what's actually pure gold from the thing that actually has value and whenever we we look at the passages in scripture like this that that force us to look judgment in the face to recognize our own our own imperfection we recognize the things in our lives that need to go if we're going to actually experience the life that God has for us, to actually let those things be burned away so that what remains is pure and is full of the things of God. This is how writer Enuma Okoro says it. She says, We may find it difficult to accept that we need refining, especially if everything in our lives looks perfect from the outside. But in the heat of God's refining fire, the things that hinder us from experiencing abundant life in God and community melt away. And ultimately that's that's what we want right i mean i don't really like the the heat you know especially i i like a cold december anyway that's a whole other topic but we don't like the heat but we want those things to melt away so that we can actually experience the abundant life of god so that we can actually walk the way of peace and that's what that's what repentance does for us this is, what, um, this is what we read earlier in the same Gospel of Luke. Um, whenever John the Baptist was born, um, he was born to, a, um, to Elizabeth and Zechariah. El- Zechariah was a priest. They were both um, old. They were unable to have children. That was a source of sorrow for them. And then Zechariah found out that his wife was going to be pregnant. And he was like, do you know how old we are? Like, do you know how this works? This is not going to happen. And the angel was like, okay, it, it actually is going to happen. Also, you can't talk for nine months. And then Elizabeth was like, yes, okay, that's that's." That's my translation, that's not in yours probably. And uh, so for nine months he couldn't talk and then John was born and they were like, you know, we need to name him Zechariah after his father. And he wrote down, his name will be John because that's what the angel said. And they're like, no, that's not in your family and know his name. be John. And then he was able to speak again. And so uh, you can read the full thing in Luke chapter 1, but this is how he concludes this song of praise and prophecy that he sings. He says, by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Whenever we are coming to Christmas, you know this, but just to remind you, it's not about the gifts. It's not even about the dinner. What it's about is people who are in darkness having dawn break upon them. And not just people who are in darkness, but people who are in the shadow of death, in despair, in grief, in loss. That's why Christ came. Not for people who have it all together, but for those of us who are suffering, who are in sorrow, and who are struggling. He came for us, for people who need a Savior, not people who don't. And so this is really, if, you, if you've been zoning out this whole time, Wake up. This is what I really want you to leave with today. Jesus did not come for perfect people who have it all together. He came for imperfect sinners in need of grace. And so, if you think you need to be someone who's perfect and has it all together for Him, you can let go. You can relax. Because if you don't have it all together, if you are imperfect, you're exactly the person that Jesus came for. He came for people like us not who are perfect, but who are imperfect. And whenever we can let go of it all, we can actually let him work in our lives. And we can accept that he's the one who declares us worthy of love. It's not our accomplishments. It's not how people think of us. It's not our reputations. It's all about him, nothing else. Because of him, you are worthy of love just as you are. And whenever we can accept that, and it's difficult to accept sometimes, it's something that we have to work on. When we, can, when we can accept that, when we can begin to get that inner peace, it allows us to move beyond ourselves and to share it with others. And, and so I think it's really interesting. Whenever John's hearers they, they heard this message, and, and instead of running away, which is I don't know we'd probably just keep scrolling if we passed john the baptist today right but but they they hung in there and they were like okay you know what what do we do and this is what he said to them he said whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none and whoever has food must do likewise and so basically if you have more than you need share it if you have a bunch of coats I've got a few, I don't know about you. Give them to people who don't have coats. And if you have more food than you need, give it to people who are hungry. And so that was the, kind of the general advice that he gave to people, the general teaching that he gave to them. And, but there were also tax collectors. Even tax collectors stayed there, which were you know, people who were looked down upon. And, and they said, well, what about us? What should we do? And what he told them, these were people who, who basically made their money by taking it from others, by taking more than the actual tax that they were supposed to take. He said, take no more than the amount prescribed to you. Only take the amount that you're supposed to. Don't steal from others. There were also soldiers who were there. These were probably, uh, well, may have been non-Jewish. And uh, what he said to them, and we, what should we do? And John said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be content with your wages this was a situation where you know soldiers could basically you know threaten you and take your money i mean essentially you know asking for your lunch money or i kind of think of like gangster movies you know where it's like you know this is a really nice business you have it would be a shame if something happened to it you ought to pay for protection you know that kind of thing and they was saying don't do that and also so this was specific advice for soldiers also for us today i think not extorting people also great advice That is a good way to love your neighbor because ultimately all of those the that teachings that he has all of those are connected they're all about loving your neighbor as yourself the same thing that Jesus would say not long after this and so that's what, what what all of his teachings have in common loving your neighbor as yourself because in every interaction that we have we have the opportunity to be imperfect vessels of God's peace not in spite of not having it together, but sometimes because we don't have it all together. Because of our imperfections, sometimes we're able to help people in a way that we couldn't if we did have it all together. And that's the really beautiful thing. Arthur Brooks talks about that Thanksgiving where they ended up, you know, at a dive restaurant and went to a movie. His kids loved it, and and they wanted to do it the next year as well. And so for the next eight years, that was their Thanksgiving tradition, and that was an amazing tradition for their family. It wasn't perfect, but because of that, God's grace was able to shine through it. They were able to have a wonderful Thanksgiving together because they chose something that was not perfect. And uh, I think it's Leonard Cohen, don't quote me on that, but quote me on this part, or quote him. Quote whoever on this next part. Everything has cracks in it. That's how the light shines in. And whenever we, instead of trying to block the cracks and pretend like they're not there, if we can actually just let the light shine in, that's how God's healing can happen. And that's how we can share it with others as well. So, here's some action steps. Here's some ways that I want to invite you to, to practice this with me um, this week. And so, whenever you encounter Im- imperfection over the next week, you know, whatever that means, if you, if you mess something up, if you forgot something, if you uh, had the perfect gift in mind but you haven't ordered it yet, and then did you all know there's a supply chain issue? Okay. And then it's not going to get there till after Christmas. You know, whatever that is. Or if it's somebody else, somebody messed up all your plans because they decided they're going to Ohio when they're supposed to be at your house. Or whatever, you know, whatever the situation is. Take it as an opportunity to say thank you. Instead of an opportunity for angst or whatever that is, take it as an opportunity for gratitude to say thank you, Jesus. Because every time we encounter imperfection, it's a reminder of why we need a Savior. And so we can turn those opportunities, whatever they are, into opportunities for gratitude. You know, this didn't happen the way that I wanted it to, but thank you for coming for me. Thank you for coming and bringing your peace. So take those opportunities, those moments of imperfection, and take them as moments of gratitude. And then I want to invite you to embrace JOMO. You've heard of FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Instead, embrace JOMO, the joy of of missing out whenever there's something going on that you are not doing say I get to be at home resting instead because I don't know about you I am not that popular but I could fill up every night with something over the next month right I mean I've got my book club is having a Christmas party and so I mean I'm really looking forward to it But I could fill up like everything. And then there are lights at the zoo that I really want to take my daughters to. And there are also lights in Chickasha and Yukon. And I mean, pretty much anywhere that you can imagine, there are Christmas lights. And you need to spend an entire night going and take it right. I mean, there's just a lot. And we drive ourselves crazy trying to do it all. Instead, this year, say no. You don't have to do everything. And your body will thank you and the people around you whenever you're not cranky and, and at each other's throats. So miss out on things on purpose, and take it as an opportunity to joy, for joy. Exult in it. Find some rest. And then choose to share God's peace with the people that you encounter, with family, and particularly for the people um, who are having the hardest time right now. I mean, for the people who are working the hardest. I mean, for retail workers, for delivery drivers, for, for teachers and school staff, for, for nurses and doctors and everyone in the medical field. I mean, all the people who are just giving it, they're all right now, because it is hard for all of us, and there are some folks who it is particularly hard on. And so, I, you know, a couple of weeks, two weeks ago, before we were going to uh, my in-laws for Thanksgiving, I was expecting a package from UPS. And I was supposed to leave, like, 15 minutes ago, but I could see on the app that they were in my neighborhood. And I was like, I can't, that's going to be on my porch for, like, a week if I leave. And, uh, and so I didn't want to, and, and, and I walked out, and I could see they were, I could see the truck. And my neighbor apparently ordered a thousand Christmas gifts because they were at my neighbor's house for like 20 minutes but I you know I we loaded up the car and and one of my daughters was with me and we're we're just waiting and and finally he pulled up to our house and so I got out and got the gift from him and I said hey are you all busy right now he's like oh yes we are very busy and then he was like wait a second don't complain to a customer but we're making it through it's okay I said well you know I I hope that it works out the best you know everything works out in the best way that it can he's like oh you know thank you and then I said, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. And he looked up, and that's a pretty, I mean, as far as things go, it's not like I brought him out a piece of pie that I just baked for him, right? I mean, it was a pretty banal holiday greeting, but, but the fact that, that I took the time to actually recognize that he was a human who celebrated Thanksgiving, I could tell it meant something to him. And we all have these opportunities to actually bless someone that instead, in our hurry, we are going to just go right by, right? Or that we're going to complain to, like the the overworked server at the restaurant that you go to for lunch today or whenever you have to wait in line because, you know, three of the self-checkout machines are not working. Instead of yelling at someone about that, you can say, wow, this must be a really hard day. I appreciate how hard you're working. You can actually take that opportunity to bless someone. And you'll be surprised the impact it makes whenever you do. The impact that a few words can have. You can be an imperfect vessel of God's peace. I hope that you'll do it with me. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful for your peace. That you sent to us the Prince of Peace. And I ask that you would help us to receive the gifts that he gives. And not to try to earn them not to try to put ourselves forward in a light that might be acceptable but just to come to him as we are imperfect and yet people that he loves help us to accept that gift we thank you that he does accept us right where we are and we thank you that he taught us even how to pray saying our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done